What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Traffic and Funnel Show. My name is Bryant, and uh, we have a special episode planned for you today. Now, Christmas is right around the corner, literally a week away, and we couldn't be more excited to take some time with our families and loved ones. Uh, we hope that you get to do the same this holiday season. Jeremy Ryan Slate, a good friend of ours with the Create Your Own Life podcast, sat down with Taylor a few weeks ago and interviewed him kind of on the secrets of what it takes to build a business that generates seven figures per month. So normally, if you're a longtime listener of the show, it's Chris and Taylor sitting down sharing training. We've got some behind the scenes clips from sales meetings or live events that we'll throw on here. Um, but today's a little different. You get a perspective from Taylor actually answering questions and you kind of get a behind the scenes look at what it's taken to build what is today Traffic and Funnels. Now, we also do this every month. So if you've heard of Insiders Access Monthly and you're a longtime podcast listener, you've heard about this a lot, but it's actually a way for us to break down what's going on in the business. And every month, Taylor and Chris put together this newsletter where they talk about behind the scenes things that are going on in the business. And you can actually trace this back even beyond two years of every month them documenting what's going on here at Traffic and Funnels. So if you really wanna know what it takes to build a seven figure business over time, you can actually get all of the back orders, you can get the whole thing shipped right to your door or you can get it digital right online. But it's called Insiders Access Monthly and we want you to check it out. So go to trafficandfunnels.com slash IAM that's trafficandfunnels.com slash IAM. That stands for Insiders Access Monthly, and you can get all the details, everything right on that page. But without further ado, here's today's episode on the secrets to scaling a business to seven figures per month with Taylor Welch. You're listening to The Traffic and Funnels Show. Taylor, I'm stoked to have you on today, man. I've been following your story for quite a few years now. And what you guys have built at Traffic and Funnels is, is incredible. So I really appreciate you taking out the time to chat today. Bro, the pleasure is mine. Thanks for having me on. Well, I, wa- I want to talk about how you guys got into to doing what you're doing with Traffic and Funnels because you know, you've scaled pretty pa- fast. You're helping a lot of people and you know, you're doing some really cool things. So how did you even get into that whole space? So I literally was telling somebody last night, we went out for drinks and uh, they were like, how did you get into marketing? And um, my wife, Lindsay, is a hairstylist. She wanted more clients. And I was like, dude, I can pick up a book and I can learn about marketing and I could probably help her. Lo and behold, uh, it worked. I have an addictive, obsessive, uh, borderline manic personality. So I was able to Sometimes learn. that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing. It can be a double-edged sword. Cool. Yes, absolutely. Um, I met Chris, though, in a... Uh, I don't know if you know Ryan Levesque, but Ryan Levesque yeah. is an older Ryan, mentor. Ryan's a previous guest of the show is the man. And uh, I we were in a mastermind with Ryan together and, I'm, and Chris and I connected that way. Uh, funny story, dude. I actually saw what Chris was doing and I was like, dude, we need, to, we need to partner up because I'm writing funnels and creating campaigns and he's running traffic. I'm like, dude, we could join up. We could take over the world. And his literal words to me were like, he said, what if, what if I'm a crazy person and we start a business and I take the business and take all the money? And I was like, that's a really weird thing to say. I, um, I I I will say though I've had that happen, so I I'm not I, I won't really get into it. So I I've been okay. in that situation, so I can understand what he's saying. That he had just had a, a situation that was bad prior, and I think that's what he was getting at. It's like how, I don't know you, you don't know me. Why do you trust me? And I was just like, okay, whatever. We don't have to. Six months later, we were sharing clients, sending referrals back and forth. We developed a friendship, and he was like, all right, bro, let's do it. I'm all in. Um, and actually at that point I decided I didn't want to partner anymore. So it was just kind of a dance because mm. both of us could do our own thing. Uh, we could have 
just kept our own businesses and grown our own businesses. But we decided that teaming up, we could grow faster and grow bigger. And so we ended up doing that in September of 2015. Got it. And then by 2017, I don't remember the month that I read, you guys were doing around 500,000 a month. And, and now in 2019, as we're talking, you guys are over a million a month. And and I'm interested to find out when you scale at that speed, you know, what are you focusing on? Because there's so many business owners that won't get to that annually, you know, nevertheless a month. So what did you focus on to scale like that? I mean, at first, literally, we focused on two things, which is getting people's attention and then selling our products to them. Or we had one product actually at the very beginning. People get caught up in this weird thing where they have all of these things they need to do, but none of them are making them money. And uh, they end up wasting a lot of time designing pages and trying to get an LLC. And it's like, look, you don't actually need any of that stuff until you have clientele, until you have Mm -hmm. income, revenue. And so we were so hardcore about, we're only going to do two things. We need to run ads and get people's attention. And then if we can help people, we need to sell them our services, give them our help and value in exchange for money. That got us to, I mean, that got us over a quarter million dollars a month. But then we had to start hiring a team. It was a totally different ball game when we started hiring a team. Uh, it depends on how deep you want me to go into the nuances. We did uh, $1.5 million last month. We have a big team. I don't really do anything anymore. It's mm-hmm. awesome. And uh, so many different levels we can go into on that. Well, I'd like to take a look at, I guess, like in terms of like core offerings. Because like I know for, for my business, we're more of an agency model, which at times that can be tougher to scale that. So in terms of like when you're focusing on scaling a business, you know, how do you decide like, what's going to be the main model you focus on? Because you can have a done-for-you product or you can have more of an agency model. Like, So how did you guys decide what you're going to do there and then and then scale from there? So I'll give you the answer from when we were in the middle of it. And then I'll tell you what I've learned in hindsight, if that's okay. okay. Yeah. Um, we had to stop selling services because it was overwhelming us. We had um, January 2016, we did $125,000 in revenue. We were still doing agency work. And um, we hired a mentor and that mentor was like, you guys need to stop doing agency work because the value, the economics of time and money are not working for you. That's what we needed at the time. But I think that if I could go back, you know, you could scale an agency to a billion dollars a year. There's no, there's nothing preventing you. If you, if you can learn how to outsource two things, number one, you got to outsource your work. That's the first thing. Everybody, when they talk about outsourcing, hiring team, that's, that's where they, they start. You got to outsource your to-do list. You got to get somebody who can come in and uh, page do the paid traffic. Somebody who can come in and who can write copy. You know, that's one level of outsourcing. The second tier of outsourcing, which is where we've gotten to, which is where you've exploded, is you outsource decisions. Mm. They're very different. They're very different. The first is like, I'm going to pay you a certain amount of money for you to come in and do the work that I assigned you to do. The second is you come in, I'm going to pay you a certain amount of money to decide what work we're going to do. And then you can take that to somebody else who is outsourcing the work. So it's two tiers of outsourcing. When you get to the place where other people can make decisions, you've trained them philosophically, you trust them with the direction of the business, bro, you can do anything you want and you can scale however high you want because your bandwidth is not getting beat up every day. You know what I mean? Well, let's take a look at that. Thing, I feel like this almost might be a loaded question because it's like, well, how can you answer this exactly? But when you're, you're looking for that person to make decisions for you, like, how do you find the right person? I know for me, like I have a certain set of beliefs or I have a certain, you know, way I do things and I'd want them done that way or, you know, with that belief. So how do you locate and find the person to do that correctly? Well, first I think, dude, the chances of you finding that person is very slim. Um, 
chances are if you find somebody who is like they can already make decisions for you and they're pretty much set up, I've already hired them or Cardone's already hired them or somebody has already brought them in and they're never leaving. Mm-hmm. Sure. The chances are much higher that you were going to bring somebody in. You're going to be able to train them and grow them and really produce the type of mindset that you want. And uh, when when we were at the beginning, we had to be willing to start over several times because we had built a team of people that we were actually, we were just accepting B players because we felt like we had to. Mm-hmm. And you got to be very, very, uh, you got to keep your standards high when you're hiring people. And nowadays, we'll bring people in. We'll let them know, hey, for the first 30 days, this is kind of a probationary trial thing. I want to see you work. I want to see you perform. And then we'll make the judgment call after that 30 days. Is this person worth investing in? And uh, we're not we're not finding any rock stars. We're not finding any diamonds in the rough. We're pulling people in, looking at the caliber they have as an individual, and then we're creating rock stars from that. Absolutely. Well, in terms of that team then, like you, I, I guess for you, like what is a... a, a a good team member look for you like, or what do you value in somebody you bring on board? Because as you're saying, you're going to train them. So not going to have everything when you bring them on board, but there's probably certain things you look at. When I, when I talked to uh, Priceline co-founder, Jeff Hoffman, he said one of the biggest things that he valued in a person was an ability to make decisions and make them quickly. Um, yeah. So for you, what do you value when you're bringing on a team member so you can train them? I would hundred percent agree with that. Making decisions, even if it's the wrong decision, I'd rather have a wrong decision than no decision. Because mm-hmm. uh, man, no de- people who get stuck in that no decision zone are are losers. I don't want anything to do with those people. But recently, the biggest thing I've been harping on. I just had a meeting with all of our salespeople. We had fifteen people in a conference room, and I was like, "Raise your hand if you come to work for money." And like seven of them raised their hand. I was like, "Oh, dog! I just tricked all seven of you. It's about to go down." You know, we live in the greatest economy of all time. There's, I think, six million more jobs than there are people. Right now, we're in a job deficit in the United States. There's a there's so many places you can go to get a paycheck. So many places you can go to get a job. I tell my sales guys, I even tell our operations people, I'm like, if you were coming into work every day simply because you need money, I don't want you here. Because you can go to anywhere else on the side of the street and you can probably earn a paycheck. Everybody wants to get rich. Everybody needs money. I'm not saying you should work for free. But I'm looking for the missional individuals who can get behind actually what we're doing with people with uh, with our different companies and really teach them to fall in love with the process because that's where longevity comes from. If somebody's willing to show up every single day on weekends, they're willing to do whatever it takes. And yeah, 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 yeah. Like commissions and getting paid, that, that's, a, that's a good byproduct of the mission. That's who I want. Those people will be with me a long time. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. Like we, we just were at an event this past weekend and uh, my director of business development um, like most of what he's paid on is, is commission. Like a lot of the work that he's done is, is commission work. And he texted me, I think at like two in the morning this morning, telling me about all this event follow-up he's doing. Cause he was just so excited about like where it's yes. going to take the company. And, and sure. I think that when you have people on board that think that way, it's really important. I guess for you guys, like how do you keep people on purpose and remind them of what the purpose of, you know, your company is? Some of it's really simple, man. Like we talk about what the company is doing and how that impacts clients' lives. Uh, I'm, I'm amazed how many people that I'll go into their company or I'll look at their team and it's like, you know, they may be doing great things, but they never talk about mm-hmm. how what they're doing impacts people. And so it's just a byproduct of environment. Like you know, we're, we're, every single meeting we have at Traffic and Funnels, every single meeting leads with our clients' wins. Mm. What are clients? How are they improving their lives? You know, the... To the, to the dad who's got three kids and has been 
telling his family his whole life he's going to provide enough income to take them to blah, blah, blah. And then he becomes a client and then he takes his family to... How awesome is that, that we get to be a part of that transformation? We're always talking about that every single day. And I think uh, another part of it is making sure our employees and our team members have their own personal growth missions for their lives. Uh, A couple months ago, I walked into a marketing meeting and I said, what are you getting out of being a traffic and funnels team member personally? What's in it for you? And a couple of the people on the team didn't know. I was like, that's a big problem. If you don't know what's in it for you, the, the most powerful form of compensation is personal incentivization. It just does not matter. Like, we, yes, we want missional people, but if there's no personal incentivization, then eventually you will have a bad week, a bad month, a bad quarter. You'll dip out of the game. And so teaching people that, look, it's not just about you know what I get out of having a team. It's about what you get out of being a part of this team. And having that partnership relationship has been really motivating to people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, and I guess to come back to, to product offerings, Taylor, you talked about, you know, you realized you, you talked to a mentor, you looked at the agency model and you realized you guys weren't going to be able to scale with it. So once you, you kind of made that decision, how do you change product offerings so that you can still deliver what you want to deliver, but also do it at a high level? We just stopped taking clients for the old offer and started taking clients for the new offer. Mm-hmm. There's probably... 30 days where there was some overlap, which was pretty intense. But uh, once, you know, if you stop feeding, if you stop feeding one animal, that animal is going to die, but you start feeding a new one and that one's going to grow. And so there's always uh, a little bit of a crossfade there. But that's all we did. We just stopped selling agency clients. We started selling consulting clients. And within 30, 40 days, everything was moved over. Cool. In terms of like, key statistics you guys are looking at to, to see like, are things doing well? Do we need to make a change or, or how are things going? Like what key statistics as a brand you look at? Cause yeah, sure. I'm, I'm sure revenue is great, but it's not always an indicator of how things are going. So what are you paying attention to, to know how things are going? Uh, in traffic and funnels, we look at CPA, AOV, volume, cost per client and every tier, every level, uh, profit margins per product line, uh, free cash flow at the end of a month. We look at, you know, we want our payroll to be inside of 25% of total revenues. Uh, we want to have an average of $400,000 revenue produced per employee. We've got a lot of different things that we're always looking at. And I think that it's healthy because it creates checks and balances. As long as you keep the main thing, the main thing, which at the end of the day is how much money did we make? How much money did we spend? I, I heard an interview that you did with uh, one of my good friends, Tyler Basu. Um, where you actually called him your favorite Canadian. Um, and in that interview, you were talking about the, the you know, you have a high profitability percentage as, as a company and you have certain beliefs on what you do with that money um, when it comes in or where it goes. How do you allocate revenues, either keeping them in the business or, or what do you do with them in order to create other areas of growth for yourself? Well, I think philosophically, just top level, then I'll go into tactically. Um, We were driving, me and Lindsay, my wife, were driving to a date night Friday night, booked a steakhouse downtown. And she looked at me and I noticed she was looking at me, but I was thinking about things. And she's like, what are you doing right now? Because you're not talking. You're just kind of staring off while you're driving. And I was, dude, I was doing math in my head about like, if we had a 3% profit margin on a piece of real estate, how many pieces of real estate would we have to sell to hit our revenue goals? I was doing math in my head, (laughs) like a crazy freak. I I couldn't do that. More power to you. I just... She looked at me like I was crazy and she was like, 
thank you, you know, for all that you do. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm crazy. We're supposed to be on date night. But the first thing, dude, is everything's a math problem. Everything in your business is typically a math problem. And when it comes down to it, clients ask us all the time, how did you come up with the revenue model that you have for wealth cap holdings? How did you come up with the price point for salesmen? Or how did... Dude, I just do math all the time. My my laptop here is filled with spreadsheets mm-hmm. and it's how I think. And I'm reverse engineering everything. Um, so that's the philosophical thing. Never forsake the math. Never forsake the economics because the economics will set you free mm-hmm. on almost every level. When it comes to traffic and funnels, we have a long-term plan. I want to hit $100 million in owned real estate within the next three years. Wow, um, we're going to end 2020 with probably a little over 20 million um, in owned real estate. So I know exactly how much cash I need to take out of traffic and funnels every single month and put it into the market um, in the different markets that we're in. So a lot of our numbers right now, if you can back yourself into a three-year, four-year goal, if you can back yourself in, it will tell you, here are the numbers you need to make. So I need uh, around 18% of the revenues from traffic and funnels to go into WealthCap. Which means if our payroll is 25, if we're spending 25 on ads, there's 18%. I'm taking in underdraws. The math, dude, the math tells you exactly what everything needs to look like based on your vision. So people make mistakes when they take the math from the circumstance. Don't take the math from the circumstance because you may be in a bad spot. You may have a high cost per client. Take the math from the vision, warp the circumstance around your vision. That's what we've done. I love it. I feel like it's been a masterclass in, in scaling, Taylor. And I guess as we bring it back around then, like, you know, looking at the level of growth you've achieved, you know, we have some like certain shifts that happen for us, right? Like I know for, for me, like when I, when I was younger, like I came from a blue collar family, like if I made $100,000, that was a really big deal because nobody did that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, now I look at revenue and I'm kind of like, oh, that's not really that big of a deal. So I guess looking at like what you guys have built, what's the biggest mental shift you've had? Maybe it's revenue, maybe it's some belief like what's been the biggest shift that you've had since you've built the company to the size you have uh what you say is really interesting because i come from the same type of background grew up in uh in church i wanted to be a minister uh do ministers don't make a lot of money they're historically i was a theology major man so i get it (laughs) so you cut you almost feel like man that you get the sense that the biggest thing holding you back is what you believe is possible Mm -hmm. you know and so i was doing this training and i think this is my answer to the question uh, for some clients who flew into Nashville. And I was like, what you think is good or bad doesn't come from you. It comes from the person sitting next to you. Yep. And it comes from the person sitting across the dinner table. You have to figure out a way to get around people who are doing more than you, faster than you, stronger than you, happier than you, more energetic than you, better physical bodies than you. Everything comes from this idea of mirror neurons and uh, normalization and osmosis. And I think... I had this massive shift when I started getting around people who were real players. Not some of them I paid to be friends. You know, that's one of the greatest secrets of the economy we live in. You couldn't pay JP Morgan to be your friends. Uh, you couldn't pay John Rockefeller to be an accountability buddy. Like those people were not accessible. But today we have this thing called masterminds, and you can pay mm-hmm. to get around people who are faster than you, smarter than you, better than you. And it was a secret that I learned. And a lot of people hate on this, but man, I started paying people to be friends with me. And I started doing work for free so that I could get around players. And that started making its way into my belief patterns because this dude looks just like me, but he makes $100,000 a month. So 
why can't I make a hundred thousand dollars a month? That was the big shift for me early on. It's crazy how big that mental game is, man. Because I know, I know, like even when I look at like people that surround me now, they're not the same people that surrounded me ten years ago. And I think that's a big indicator of of, of what you're doing now. So yep. that, that mental game, man, it's huge. Like you're saying, like be in the right masterminds, have the right people coach you. It, it's gonna not not just cut the learning curve, but also change the mindset, which I think is our biggest thing that we're fighting a lot of times. Yep, that's it. Well, if you were to talk to um, a newer business owner and you could just tell them to focus on three things, Taylor, like what would be the three things that you would tell them to focus on? Number one would have to be getting getting in front of people, getting the attention of the people that you can serve. The best product in the world doesn't mean anything if you can't get in front of people. There's some different schools of thought. You've got you know, Sam Ovens, who's so product driven, all he cares about is, is his product. And then you got people on the other side, you got to, you know, people like Agora, where they're just sell, 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 sell. I think the first thing is you got to get in front of people. The best product in the world without traffic is dead. Mm-hmm. And so we teach a lot of that. Go out, make yourself known, post, add value to the marketplace. The second thing, you got to learn how to sell because attention without exchange of money, you're dead as well. Yep. You know, attention has to be monetized. And the way you monetize that is learning sales. And then probably the third thing to focus on is like one of the things I do for myself is I take my personal development, my personal growth really, really seriously, really seriously. Listening to podcasts like these, it's amazing to me how many people get in their car and they listen to music. Now, I'm not hating on music. I love music. I live in Nashville, bro. It's Music City. (laughs) But dude, my car, I made a decision a long time ago, was going to become a classroom for me. And uh, I'm going to educate myself every single day because who I develop into as a person ultimately is going to show up in my bank account, in my family's bank account. And so sometimes you got to make a sacrifice to decide to make a little extra time, consume the right information. And that's really important. It's healthy. Absolutely. Well, Taylor, I read an article for you that you wrote for Influensive.com about, you know, things that you're going to focus on a year. And you said that really annually, you should only have two to three main projects. I, I'd love to hear if, if that is still your mindset. And if it is, how do you then decide what those two to three projects should be? Because there's a lot of things that are vying for our time. Yeah, that is still my mindset. Categorically, two to three ma- big things. Uh, mm-hmm. As you grow, though, those big things become more high in the air. And for example, one of my things for 2020 is to add $20 million in real estate to WealthCap. Well, dude, how many activities are inside of that thing? You know, like there's a lot, but that I've grown to the place where I can now, I can give individual goals to my team and my leaders and I can let them go figure out how to do it. When I first started out, you know, my goals were a lot simpler and uh, I still think that this is the way to do it. What is your income goal? That should be a, a, a big target for you. Reverse engineer that. How many clients do you need? And then how many people do you need to talk to to get that client target? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then uh, whatever strategy you select to achieve those numbers, make that a daily goal for you. And I started my first year was my only goal was to make $100,000. That was it. And all my goals were attached to that. Then my second year, my goal was to make $2 million. That's it. All my goals goals (laughs) are attached to that. And I missed it. I didn't hit that goal, by the way. Um, don't look at me and look at other people don't need to think that we hit every goal we set. That's that would be no fun. If you win everything, it's just no fun. But as I've scaled and grown and I've gotten the team, my goals have become a lot higher up on the totem pole. And so 
selecting it is just a matter of where you want to end up. December, December 2020, close your eyes. What do you want? What have you accomplished in 2020? What are you proud of in 2020? Write those things down and repeat it daily. And anything that is not just lighting you up, cross it off the list because you're going to die. We're going to die here pretty soon. Like you don't want to be stuck doing things you actually don't enjoy, you know? No, absolutely. It's we the, the amount of time we have is finite, man. Like like make sure that stuff you're doing in the time you're doing it matters. Yep. That's it. Well, as just as we're coming down here for a landing, Taylor, I have just a few other questions I want to ask you. And, and one being that, you know, a, a lot of the world-class performers that we get to talk to, we find that there's these massive shifts in their philosophy or their experience, whatever it may be. And what's something that you believed at 21 that you don't believe now? Man, I, I don't, I wish I remembered when I was 21. <laughs> uh, that was a long, I think when I was 21, man, I was throwing rolls at Lambert's home of the throat rolls. I was like a waiter. Um, probably the biggest thing I could give you even from two or three years ago. Um, you know, I used to believe that the truth was everything that, um, as long as I was saying something that was true, it didn't matter how I communicated it. Mm-hmm. And what happened is I be, I began looking at my life and I'd hurt a lot of people. I was cunning and I was accurate and I was always correct, but I had collateral damage in how I communicated with people. And I think, you know, I had my baby girl. She was born in April of this year. Um, Congratulations. Seven, we had our first in October. It's life changing, man. It's the best thing that it could ever happen to you. And uh, it started making me look at like, okay, Somebody could say the right thing to this woman. They could stay when she's older and she's, she's in the marketplace. If somebody comes in and they say something that's technically true, but, but mean, I'm going to have an issue with that. And I started reexamining my philosophy on how to train people and how to coach people. I think that's one of my only regrets is really the people that what I said was correct, but I said it in a way that didn't respect them as a person. It didn't respect their experiences and their learning. And I've really made a conscious point this year to undo a lot of that and speak from a place of of love and respect and care because it doesn't matter how much money I have in my bank account. It doesn't matter how many cars I have. It doesn't matter what jet I'm flying on. People at the end of the day are just really the only thing that matters. And if you can't protect relationships with people, you have nothing, you know? Yeah. In terms of core skills, Taylor, what's the biggest thing that you're currently working on developing? Me personally, yes, you personally. Like, like, what are you really, you know, day in day out? Is that really that skill you're putting the most attention on? Uh, I would say del- for me, it's delegation. Still, mm-hmm. I've been in this thing for like a year because at first I had to learn how to delegate the things that didn't feel like I I enjoyed, but now I'm having to delegate things that I that I enjoy because the weakness of the leader becomes the the or the strength of that leader becomes the weakness of the team. So. A lot of times I'll get into the offices and I'll just want to dive in and start blowing shit up. Like I want to move everything forward at the same time. And it's hurting. It'll hurt the team because they don't get an opportunity to to do something. You know, delegation is a big one that I'm definitely working on. I'm always working on copywriting. I'm always copying out letters. I'm always studying the game. But delegation is the one I struggle with the most. I, I can totally agree with you on that. That's something for myself. I've worked on building a lot because I've disrupted my team in some places. Where I'm like, oh, let me just jump in and handle this for you and not let you control yeah. the situation and then complain when it comes back on me. Oh, you yeah. Have to empower your team, man. Are you just going to end up not liking the situation you're in? That's 100% correct. Well, if we were far in the future, Taylor, and you could actually write the epitaph on your tombstone, what would that look like, man? <sighs> Believer in people. 
leader of people. Everything, dude, every financial goal that I have is not that big of a deal. It all is, it's all a byproduct of how many people I'm able to help, how many people I'm able to unlock. I wrote a post, uh, not, not long ago to, uh, to the timid and the fearful. A day will come when you will be on your deathbed. And the one thing you wish you could change is that you could go back and you could actually take that risk for the family that you love. You could take that step, even though it was undetermined what the result would be. And, uh, my goal, man, is to unlock and unshackle people because we live in this evolutionary society where people are terrified of failure. They're terrified of being misunderstood. And dude, they're terrified of what happens if they go all in. And uh, I want people to, when they hear my voice and when they read my work, I want to be slammed with this idea of like, dude, I can be more, do more, have more, see more, impact more. And if they're not, I feel like I failed. I've missed my mission. Thanks for listening. For more from Chris and Taylor, visit trafficandfunnels.com and get a free gift just for being a subscriber. That's trafficandfunnels.com.